How I Made It in America is brought to you by these fine sponsors. Fresh Designs, Inc., your one-stop solution for automotive and residential window tinting, audio, navigation, and security systems. Located in Ellicott City, Maryland. K. Joseph Watches, providing wristwatch lovers with both quality and beautiful designs. Remember, every minute is a memory. Go to kjosephwatches.com. How I Made It in America, where we peek into the minds of successful entrepreneurs, movers, and shakers with your host, Frazier. Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. You're listening to How I Made It in America. I'm your host, Fraser Phrase with the phrase that pays, and my co-host, A to the Z, Azalea. Azalea, <laughs> who do we have on this amazing show this morning? Oh my goodness. We are so excited to have with us in the studio today a man whose music productions, I would say, practically defined R&B and hip-hop in the 90s. I mean, he has produced hits for all of our favorites, Big Papa... Mary J, Usher, Faith Evans, Total, Mariah Carey, Brian McKnight, I mean, you name it. So please welcome one of the originals of Bad Boy Super Producers, the hitman, Chucky Thompson. Good Chucky, to be here, man. Chucky, Chucky, welcome to the show, my friend. Welcome to the show. Let's, let's get, just, just jump right into it, because we don't have a lot of time, so let's right, get right. your story, right? So, Chucky. Before Chucky Thompson became Chucky, the big producer, what were you doing before that? I was actually playing the go-go bands here in the city, you know. Um, that was like the thing that was happening at the time that hip-hop was actually being uh, created. So we had our own version of it here, and I just hop right in it, you know. Okay. Yeah. So it was always music. Always music. Always music. Yeah, I love that you shared the story about when you were young, you would play on the pots and pans oh, yeah. and beat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's where it started, you know, just understanding my gift. You know, I didn't even realize I had a gift. I thought that everybody could just pick up an instrument and just start to play or whatever. But, you know, as I started doing it more and more, people were like, oh, yo, you're special. <laughs> Something's different about you. So, yeah. Nice. I just, it, was, it was good that my parents were able to, like, center me around it where I could just, you know. Right. And you, I mean, that's what makes you different is you play, like, ten instruments. Um, yeah, I play a lot of instruments. I play a lot of different variations. Like, I, I can play upright bass. I can play electric bass. I can play acoustic guitar, electric guitar. So it, it, it winds up being a lot of different instruments. But, you know, it's, it's still all, all from my ear. Like, I, I play by ear. That's I, incredible. That's, you know? that's great. So yeah. let's just jump right into it, man. So how did this whole situation with puffy get started were you just like at home sitting there like i'm gonna send my stuff out hopefully somebody hear my music how was it back then to try to get on if that makes sense well i was i was kind of creating my story from gogo so i played with chuck brown at the uh capital center that was like the biggest thing that happened at that time for gogo was a gogo live at the capital center and then when i finished playing with that i was like well you know it's something new that's happening frank ski was playing hip-hop up in Baltimore. So I used to tune in and just listen to what was happening in, because there was no internet. No, it, that's the only way that you could catch what was happening in different cities. Is, right. You know, so I, I was listening to hip hop and seeing what was happening with it. And um, I just said, you know what? Let me try this hip hop thing. I live right around the corner from Howard University. So I was, you know, just getting my feet wet. So I said, you know what? Let me 
just jump out there and start charging and see it. You know, I charge ten dollars a song. You oh, wait, 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 wait. You were charging ten dollars for because track. I was new and I, I wanted to, you know, get something for my time. But then right. I really wanted to learn, so I wound up doing records and doing different things. And and this is all local stuff. And I wound up getting a group signed to a major label, which was the Born Americans. Oh yeah. So yeah. I did a song called Boom Shock Attack. Boom shot. Norman and Edley, yes, you know? Yes. So that record was playing at the time that I was seeking management. You know, I was just trying to see what else I could get into. So as I'm seeking management, I found out that Puffy had gotten fired from Uptown. I just right. kind of followed him. Right. Mm-hmm. And I heard that Mary J. Blige album. I heard the 411 album. Mm-hmm. Right. And the productions I was doing at the time kind of felt like what they were doing. Right. So it came down to two different management contracts. It was either Puff, Puffy or... Uh, Hiram Hicks. Hiram can get me TLC, but Puffy could get me Mary. Right. So this is all in the beginning. Bad Boy was the management company. I didn't know what it was all about. Right. I just knew he had Mary, and I knew he had a guy named Notor. He had a guy named Biggie Smalls. Right. So I was. Wow. I just knew that that vibe fit me. Young hip hop. We you know we both were kind of in the same vibe, and I shot some songs to him. A friend of mine. We used to get drunk up in <laughs> up, up in Baltimore, and every time we, you know, two or three beers in, he's like, you know, he he's like, look, man, I got a friend in the music business, and we're like, we ain't got no friend in no music business. <laughs> Come to find out, he had a friend in the music business. It was a guy named Ward Corbett that worked directly with Puff. So send him music to Ward. Ward remembered me from from his cousin, and he gave the tapes to Puff. Half the music that I was sending them was actually the the music for the My Life album. Okay. So wow. I was already working. I mean, it was a vision for to be with Mary that got me with Puff. So, so, so you started working on the track without having. I that. started. Well, what it was is the song My Life. Right. I started flipping it like that's a Roy Ayers record. Right. So what I did is, you know, me coming from D.C., I would always use the things that were connected here. Right. So I was making a version of uh, of. Uh, Everybody Loves the Sunshine, but I was doing it more like if it was Rare Essence Planet. Oh. So it was my version of Rare Essence playing of um, Everybody Loves the Sunshine. So when I got signed to Puff and I'm up at the house and, and, and we're working out of the house, I said, you know what, let me just play something that I'm working on to see if, if, like if, yeah. if he'll. And I played it in the house. He ran from the other side of the house like, yo, I was just thinking about that song, right? <laughs> it's going crazy. So then he said, you want to play it for Mary tonight? Now, I was only contracted to do a song and an interlude for her. So he plays it for her. She does the same thing. Yo, I was just thinking about that song, right? So it's like (laughs) an energy that's happening. And she did the song. And I mean, yeah, that version that you hear now is what she did that night. Wow. Wow. You know, and I mean, that record has power. Like, it's still powerful to this day. But it was just me trying out what I was doing here. So this was a new situation for you. Puffy just got his label. He's first time being a label head or management team, right? right. You're coming into a situation first time. Right. What were some of the things that you you experienced uh, working with the startup label and, and this new vibe? He may have been a startup label, but he was already in the industry, like, for him to have made it with Jodeci, mm-hmm. made it with, you know, Heavy D was the one that found him. So his synergy had stardom all around it. So okay. when I signed with him, Teddy, because well, what, what happened was he had his studio in his house, and then we actually moved into the city. So he had a room in the Hit Factory okay. where everybody was at. 
So the pressure got even more on me because I knew that I had made it out of D.C. And I had people from D.C. kind of like, you know, they knew who I was. But now I'm in New York and Devontae is here. Teddy's here. Who am I? You know, in my right. brain, I'm wondering, who am I? And how old were you at the time? I was, what, 24? Oh, wow. You wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so it, it, it wound up being a, a conversation with myself as to say, you know what? I got to show these people who I am. I know that D.C. knows it. They don't know it. And right. what I did is I always held on to my city. That was the difference between me, Devontae, Teddy, and anybody, is that I had this thing. They'd never been to the Maverick Room. They'd never been to the Howard Theater and seen EU rest. Like, Black, those those experiences the Black are in my brain. Right, right. But those experiences are in my brain. So right. that was the, I guess, you know, the uh, secret weapon that I had right. to, 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 you know, be able to be around these people and create my own lane. Right. Yeah. Wow. All right. I know another thing that's special about you is that, like, you know, like the rappers of the time had beats and the singers of the time had these awesome melodies, and you sort of took both of that, those ingredients and combined it when people weren't doing it at that time. That was my life, though, because I played in a lot of go-go bands. I played keyboards in go-go bands. Then I wound up playing congos for Chuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then I was in the jazz a lot. Like, uh, mm-hmm. um, I was into a heavy. And, and then it was a thing where my sisters hated jazz. <laughs> <laughs> they loved listening to the radio. I never listened to the radio. Right. So it was one of those things where I said, well, I think, I, in my brain, in my weird mind, I thought, y'all think I'm some trash. You know what I mean? Yeah. So now, you know what? Now I'm going to turn listen more to, like, I was listening more to hip-hop because it was new. Uh-huh. It wasn't, it was, it was new, and it wasn't as much instruments. Right. But so that's where my wedge came in. And then I heard that 411 album. So it's like Puff was basically, okay, it was a guy, it was a DJ guy named Ron, uh, what's his name, man? Uh, uh, he used to do the mixtapes. Uh, Ron, Ron G, that's him. So Puff basically was mixing Ron G with R&B. Okay. Mm, so okay. Ron G would just play all of the hottest, you know, you, you, you had DJ Clue, but then you had Ron G. And then, Puff would take those and then bring in musicians and play and do stuff on it. So it was like we were kind of doing the same thing in different places. And yeah. then when he heard what I was doing, it just took it to another level because I was listening to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I was listening to Dr. Dre at the time. I was listening to Teddy Riley, mm-hmm. which is one of my best friends. You know what I'm saying? That dude is He's the one that really inspired me because I, I really wanted to beat him up, Joe. <laughs> he was so dope. And had all the girls liking him. I'm talking about that 80s, you know what I mean? Right. 85, 86. He did the, and it was crazy. And it, it, I saw that he was taking more of the gospel vibe. And 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 he was the one that really shaped my sound. Right. Because I was trying to come in between a lot of different things. So you're right. I was using mm-hmm. a lot of different things. But then I was into hip hop. I was into hip hop heavy. Right. Um, one of the guys that actually showed me um, more of because so- I used to listen to instruments I used to listen to records I would just, just listen to the bass or just listen to the drum I would single out and just listen wow. to that's hard particular instruments and then I, one of my buddies which is a DJ he said man you, you you never listen to arrangements and he played Barry White Ecstasy and if you listen to that song and here I comes on and the strings and the right. it's like you know then I started understanding song arrangement uh-huh. and, 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 and those things. So 
it was a lot of different real life experiences that helped shape my music right. because and, and that's what I call my company as well is at Chuck Life, which is basically all about life. You know, that whole My Life album, Mary was, you know, she was dealing with a lot of things. Right. And I didn't really know her like that, you know, but somewhere in there, I would catch her on days that she would be like just going through stuff. And, you know, we would talk, you know, we would rap. She was real close to my ex at the time. Okay. So I had my situation with Puff, but then outside of that, they were hanging. So then I got even more time. Uh But it was opening up my mind to everything that was happening with her at the time. And I saw how people were basically you know, because of her image at the time. You know, she was real rugged and and, and rough, and they pretty much clowned her for that, you know? Right, right. Some people knew what it was, and the people that didn't, they just went at her. And I knew she was more than that. When I heard that Sweet Thing record, right. mm-hmm. I said, you know what? My mission with her is to make sure people respect her as a true singer, you know? She has way more to offer than what people are giving her or not giving her credit for right, it. Right, right, right. And that's was that was my premise for the My Life album. Wow. You know, and And you you've always wanted to work with her. And I mean that was the whole reason why he, I signed with Pub. I just told her that right. story. He yeah. called it into existence. Yeah, I mean you'd like, like set your sight on it and it it, was, like all it, the stars like align. Like you guys I, were all I, just I vibing. couldn't even play around with it. Wow. You know? Yeah. Was that was there a lot of pressure on you to put that album together? No. We did the album in four months. It's like Puff, they, you know, Big was happening, Craig Mack was happening. It was a lot of things happening around. Right. And my focus was her. So they were going to parties and hanging out. I'm in the studio. Mm. I just, I just exited that life. Well, and I just stayed in there with her. And then, like I said, me hanging with her and then understanding the stuff that she was going through, I was coming up with songs that, you know, Puff really didn't have a real vision for this album, you know. She was going through a million songs, her one song of mine, and that started it. And, yeah. you know, because of the success of the My Life, I mean, of the uh, 411 album, mm-hmm. a lot of the producers that signed on to that album started coming back crazy. Like, I want 80,000 a track. Oh, <laughs> wow. And she like, I'm not paying that. And then it was a situation where Puff was like, yo. Hey, guys, Chuck. hold tight. We're going to come back more with Chucky's and learn the ups and downs of the game and how it was working with Biggie Smalls. Hold tight, be right back, guys. Hey, guys, we are back. We're back with the main man, Chucky, talking about his journey as the big legendary producer. I'm your host, Fraser Phrase, and you're listening to How I Made It in America. Chucky, now, you came in the game at 24. Just seriously, the game. You've right. been doing it since the age of two. Right. But you came in at 24, right, in the business, right. just right in the belly of the beast. Right. You didn't go to college for music, so there's a business side to the music side. Yes. So what were some of the things that you had to learn on the job? Well, I mean, the, the learning the business started with me playing with Chuck, Chuck Brown, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, watching, really actually talking to him about Everything that went along, you go see him at the show, you just see, okay, well, this show is a great thing, but you don't understand what it takes to get to that. Yeah. So it's dealing with people and personalities and understanding the money side of dealing with people and personalities. So that got me f- familiar with understanding this new business that I was getting in as far as working with Puffy and doing a contract under management versus doing a contract with him under p- production. 
Um, I felt with being being with management would be a situation where he would actually work for me. You know, he was actually at that time he had a lot of work that was coming in for him, but he wasn't a producer per se. So signing management with me gave us both rights to use each other. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So uh-huh. I'm using him to get position. He's using me to get position. It's like playing chess. And I'm doing a lot of the work that was coming in for him. So the Mary album was really his work. It's just that I had more of a connection with the the musical side. He had more of a connection with the label and the streets and the culture and what it takes. And my thing was, okay, I understand the culture too, but you know, my thing with her is more of a musical thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's more of a, a mission thing. Because like I said, I wanted to make sure that she had that that right. vibe of being more of a diva mm-hmm. right. this time around. So working with, with, with Puffy, I'm going to call him Puffy because that's mm-hmm. the time that we Puff called him back then. Yeah, Puff Daddy, right? <laughs> At the time, right? So were there ever a time when you guys bump heads? Well, on that, that one conversation, it was like, yo, you're using me. <laughs> and he's like, yo, you're using me. And it was like, okay, well, cool, let's make some money. Let's, okay. let's do it. You know, so it was never. So you saw the benefit. Yeah, yeah the thing about him and me with two different I'm I'm more I'm 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 in the street. I'm right. on the, I'm, my feet are on the ground. He's right. in the air. Right. So that combination, we covered every base. Right. You know, he could stay in the air and stay. You know, one time I asked him, I said, "Look, man, you know, I could teach you how to do some of this music stuff. You chasing these producers? Do you know what he said? What did he say? Man, I'm never doing that. <laughs> that's what you do, man. I'm, I'm running around going nuts, man. That's what I do. And that's when I understood, you know, lanes. Right. Like, lanes, I don't yeah. have to do what he does. He right. don't have to do what I do. It's just how we do it together. Right. So, yeah. So. All right, so Biggie Smalls. So tell me that story. <laughs> oh, how, how did that, when I you met him the first that. time, because I guess when you met him, he wasn't as big at the time. He was big. He was big. He's always he been was, big. like, his energy was <laughs> what it was. Right. So when I met him the first time, I hadn't signed my deal yet. Okay. So I went to New York just to hang out with Puff, kind of get a feel for who he was. he get a feel for me, whatever. And then we went to the studio, he had a session. And he was working on uh, an Easy Mo B track. And... Machine Gun Funk, that's what the song was. And it was hot in the studio. Right. This dude took his pants off, was rapping with it, some boxer shorts on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, so I'm getting this first personality of this dude right here. So then once I signed my deal, and then he finds out, he's like, I, I, I had a Fila sweatsuit on. Right. You know, and Georgetown was popping at the time. So he's like, yo, you get that? You know, because I'm a big dude. He a big dude. He's right. like, where you get that, that sweatsuit? I'm like, Georgetown. Oh, yeah, you from D.C. And he'd been coming down here and doing right. different things down here. So he was happy that I was from D.C., ah. you know, and we just we just started clicking right right, right then and then. Um, so one of the first records I did was I came in, I met with uh, Easy Mo B, and he was working on Ready to Die. And I just, I, you know, I was just, Puff said, if you want to go down there and hang out, cool. I went to the studio, and he had a guitar in there. And you know we got the, the you know the ver- herbs and flavors. Yes, going. yes, yes, sir. And, uh, <laughs> so I pick up the guitar and I'm just like playing around. And he sampled it, flipped it, and if you hear the guitar on "Ready to Die," that's that's that session. Okay. Wow. And then from there, we go into like uh, Big Papa was one of. Them. Right. But see what it was is I was the guy that came in when they had sample issues. Right. I was the guy that came in and kind of replayed and reflipped samples mm. for them to get them cleared. Okay. So uh, One More Chance was a situation where they were using, 
I don't really want to say the name because right. I don't want to put myself on blast. <laughs> don't do it. They don't had do a it. song. It didn't work. I reflipped it, and the record got cleared. Wow. Same for me and my, you know what I'm saying? Right. I had to flip that song. I was listening to watching a lot of black exploitation films, so right. that, that vibe came from that. So I was making my way within the, the situation right. through Puff, but then also just with me being from D.C. and just, you know, I felt like we were building a house. Right. So I would go in anybody's set. This is really how the Hitman got started because right. I would go around to different rooms and different producers and they don't play instruments, but right. I can play them. Right. So I would come in and play with Rashad Smith and playing with Nasheen Myrick and playing with different people. Yet I'm, it's almost like a jab in boxing. Right. I'm, I'm hitting, I'm getting some points. Right. They like points, but I'm getting the points because right. I'm just spreading my sound and I'm getting on more records. Right. So, you know, and then comes uh, Big Papa, you know. Okay. So basically what it was is uh, I, I come in the studio, because I was still living in D.C. Okay. I'm back and forth. And I come in the studio, and one of the engineers had this uh, Ozzy Brothers loop loop, and he said, yo, Puff wants you to put something to that. And in my brain at the time, I'm like, okay, you know what? Big is from New York, but he understands other places he understands right. DC he understands the West right. Coast right. like that's not normal it wasn't normal at that time for New Yorkers like that like right. Puff was hip too but he went it to was, Howard he went to Howard right. so yeah, he, he, was, he was feeling DC that synergy yeah. was in the room so I said you know what let me play a game I'm gonna play a trick on big and see if you catch on right. so my thing was like okay remember today was a good day the Ice Cube record yeah. same yeah. premise they yeah. used the Ozzy Brothers real simple Ice Cube just kicked it. He was like on some chill. Right. You know, his rhyming was, was right. a little bit more relaxed. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do the same thing. I just put a basic drum uh, beat up under it. And then I said, you know, I'm going to really flip him and put this West Coast line in here. Right. And just see where it takes us. I don't know what it's going to do. So I just put this line in there and I left. Big comes in later that night. They do the record. I come in the next day and Nasheen was like, yo. You gotta hear the hook that Big put on that record, right? And he took the bait. Like if you hear that record, right. it's the, it's it's where his whole rap style changed. It, wow. it turned. Okay. And it's it's crazy because I took the record, brought it here in DC, and I let a couple of my friends hear it. And I played it. And when it went off, everybody was quiet. And I was like, yo, so this is something like some trash? <laughs> <laughs> and they was like, nah, yo, that joint is a whole nother page right there. Yeah. Like, right. Play that again. Like, we stayed uptown playing that record out my car for like an hour, just playing it back and forth. So that was my, that was the first experience understanding a platinum record and wow. how it feels to have a platinum record. Wow. When I watched Martin and I saw him singing the hook, uh, okay. that's when I knew it was like, Yo, this it's a hit. Yeah. This one day it just turned into like a whole thing. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Talking about hits. So you've you've produced a lot of great hits. Can you like listen to the music now and say, okay, that's a hit right there? Um, you know what? You never lose the feeling of a hit record. If you notice a person like Clive Davis that's right. almost eighty years old. Right. He still knows. It's a feeling. It's a feeling more than what you're hearing. Right. Mm. Like when I heard that old town roll record, right. I knew mm -hmm. what it was. It was a hit. I mean, I'm not I'm I'm fifty one years old. 
But I don't really live the lifestyle of a 51-year-old. I stay, yeah, yeah. And, and I learned this from Chuck Brown. He stays with the youth. Right. He's like, Chuck, a lot of my friends, they don't really kick it with the youth. But that's the fountain of youth when right. you really think about it. Is right. you get that energy, you know. So I stay connected. I when I'm when I get in the car, I give my sons the aux cord. Like play me some stuff. Now they wow. play me some crazy stuff that turn my <laughs> whole brain inside. Out. But that's what I need to hear. I need yeah. to feel that frequency. Yeah. You know. Right. So so talking about hits and and you know your your growth in the business. What are you doing now? What's what's next for Chucky? Well, I'm working on a project right now just to shed more light. Like everything started happening in the last maybe six months about right. what's happening here in the city with GoGo. Right. And I've been in it since I was born. So, right. and then also you know even on this radio station, WOL, right. Kathy played a big part. And making sure that Gogo had a voice, you know okay. what I'm saying? Like three hours <laughs> right. of you know of a situation where it was local, but it was no outlet. She made sure that that happened. So it's like um, I'm focusing on my project. Chucky Thompson presents DC Gogo. Oh wow, that's yeah. the next project. Wow. That's the up. next project, and so I'm it... doing it with Kirk Frazier. So. Oh, I know that yeah, guy. Yeah. <laughs> so it's gonna be real, man. It's gonna be, it's it's gonna gonna be amazing, dope. man. Yes. <laughs> All right, so guys, look, we want to definitely thank Chucky for coming on and sharing his story and his journey, how he made it in America. There's so much more levels to this man that, you know, you can stay tuned. We're going to do a video podcast, but I thank you guys for all listening, and uh, we'll see you guys next Tuesday. Thank you so much, Chucky. That's all love, all love.